0: Do you think if we all ate like a tub of blue cheese that we'd start tripping? (laughs) I'm gonna ferment some yeast.
1: (laughs) Make us all some moldy bread.
0: Cool, cool.
1: And then we
2: will meet the devil. (laughs) Oh god. Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where
1: three best friends submerge you in spoilers as we explain, rate slash review, and
0: decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. Since this is the center for spoilers, this week we'll be talking all about the movie – yes, I am going to say the whole title – The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. So if you haven't seen it, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at We
2: Explain Movies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off by saying what we watched this week, move into some movie related questions, followed by the explanation, and we're going to close out with some watchlist ads and recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Cue that. Let's
1: watch a Disney Channel movie. Let's watch a Disney, Disney Channel movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of us. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's time for some Disney Plus talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, that went off so well. <laughs> specifically from the 90s. You guys, we didn't plan that. <laughs> I know. That was so beautiful. Wow. <laughs>
0: Ooh, this will be a fun honor question, and Riley will get to listen to it in live time. Okay, are you ready for this, Courtney? Yeah. I already asked Kimmy off-air, but that's fine. Do you know who the actor Matthew Lawrence is? Yeah. Yeah. Joey Lawrence's brother. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And uh, do you know about the show that they were all on together? Yeah. Did you watch it? No. Brotherly Love? Yeah. You know about it, though? Yeah. Yeah. I feel
1: like I maybe saw an episode. Do you know what the
0: third brother's name is?
1: Uh, if I thought about it, he's the youngest or he's the. He's the youngest, yeah. Joey, Matthew, and Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: Andy. Andy Lawrence. Yeah, and okay. he was in other stuff. He, he wasn't the cute one. The cute one is Matthew, who was in Mrs. Doubtfire. and Oh, the yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yes. Okay. Why is this a question? This is funny because Riley got very angry with me that I didn't know about the Lawrence Brothers, and I was like, oh. Riley, I think this is a slight generational, like, I think you just hit the, like, tail end of that era, and I was on, like, the, the high end where I just missed it. She's only a year older than you. No, I know. Yeah. But I, that's like, that was my argument. She was like, you're wrong. And I was like, I can bet you money that Kimmy is not going to know, and Courtney is. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, Kimmy yeah. didn't know? No, yeah. I,
2: didn't, I have no idea about it. You didn't watch Horse Sense? No. no. That's that's what Riley said, too. <laughs> what is Horse Sense? <laughs> is it like spiny sense, but for horses?
0: looked at the poster, but I also didn't watch a ton of Boy Meets World. Oh, I, I know him either. from Boy
1: Meets World. He's Jack the Hot... He's it's in, in college, Pod right? Brother. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. he finds out
0: him and Sean are half-brothers
1: yeah. so they, they don't meet until wow, later in life.
2: that movie's like way more like, com- I'm sorry, that show is like way more complex than I thought Boy Meets World. Yeah, oh, there's some really
0: dramatic episodes.
2: I, I thought it was more like after-school special and less like teen drama.
0: I don't know why this stuck with me so much, but I remember this part where they go to like a club that's called Cleavage, and they get there and they realize it means cleavage. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a strip club. <laughs> cleavage. <laughs>
2: Yeah, my,
1: my mom wouldn't let us watch Boy Meets World for a while because... The, the it got was, too saucy. It got too saucy, which is ridiculous because Corey and Topanga literally wait until their wedding night to have sex. Oh yeah, and they dated for like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of just like how things are, are way darker or more complex than you think... I watched quite a few DCOMs this week. Ooh. And, boy, do they... You just, like, you you forget things. I know how much you, you both probably love and have seen Smart House... I love. Oh my well, like their mom is dead. Yeah, and their then mom it's is like dead? way darker than I remembered. Like the son, his whole thing is about sabotaging his dad's love life because oh, he doesn't yeah. want the dad to forget the and mom. And the lady
0: is so nice that
1: he's falling in love with. It's so sad, and also just watching it, I totally thought Ryan Ryan Merriman was like maybe seventeen he's totally like a 14 year old boy oh. who has to do like all the cooking and cleaning and he's like the mom to his little sister oh. Oh my God. and he just that's why he wants the house so bad is so that maybe he can have a life and he has this whole tantrum where he's like why do you think I don't go out for the basketball team it's cause I'm too busy like taking care of our family
0: and oh I remember he has, he has like the one party it's like the one crazy thing he ever does yeah doesn't yeah.
2: The, the smart house turn into like an image of his mother or something no it's but a she, new
1: a new image it's a new image but she she's sings the song that his mom would always what sing to him. Fuck? <laughs> so, yeah,
2: his, his... I just got chills. So his sad. house is a
1: sociopath. <laughs> his house is a sociopath. Anyways, that's like the dark twist to that one. I also watched Devil Teamed, which I love. Oh, I was never I was ever big into that one. Oh, I love that one. It's the one where it's like the two girls who are six feet tall and they're twins. And, and they play the, basketball, right? They play basketball and it takes place in the 80s. And I was like, oh, that's the fun one where they all have like side ponytails. <laughs> but in that one, it's like they're both competing for their dad's love because he oh, only no. loves the one who's good at sports. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Very uh, Dan from One Tree Hill. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, every, after every game, it's like whoever scored the most points is the one that gets a hug from dad. And, oh, and he's my. Like, <laughs> he's like, I'm so proud of you. And then he looks at the other one and goes,
0: oh, yeah, you too. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> It's f. Wow. Um, well, the one I watched was much more lighthearted than all of those. Uh, <laughs> I sat down and I said, I'm going to watch Black Cauldron. And then I got distracted because I wanted to add a bunch of things to my watch list. Yeah. And I saw Stuck in the Suburbs and I was like, I'm going
1: to watch this. Is his name <laughs> Jordan Cahill?
0: Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and um, so, so I'm watching Stuck in the Suburbs, which like really is, I was like, okay, wow, this has some issues. <laughs> like it just really was not... I knew it wouldn't be what I remember it to be, but I was like, wow, this is pretty bad, but it was still fun. Um, Also, what's his butt? Taryn Killam is a literal child. Oh, is he? Like, I watched it and I was like, you've got to be. Did you say what's his butt? (laughs) (laughs) That's like really not the most absurd thing I've ever said.
1: (laughs) I've heard her say tit mouse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> it's pretty normal phrase.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, he's got, I mean, he looks a lot more baby, but I'm like, he's got to be super young. Let me look this shit up. And he was 22. I'm oh, like, okay. I'm an old woman. How is he younger than me? That just kind of blew my mind because I know I watched that as a kid and uh, it came out when I was 10. Wow. It did it? Yeah. Anyway, it was really fun, and it's just so dramatic. He's like, no one will let me write my songs. Ugh, my lyrics are so much more meaningful than this. He, like, does this music video where he has to splash his image in the water, and he's like, this is so stupid. Love it.
2: Kimmy, what did you watch on Disney Plus? On Disney Plus, I watched the thing that I said I was going to watch first, <laughs> which is The Mandalorian. And and I and just, you know, really... Uh, um, Whatever about it. It's very underwhelming. <laughs> it was super Did underwhelming. You watch Courtney? Yeah. Oh. And me and Courtney talked about it, but just I'm watching it and I have like this overwhelming sense of watching like like a YouTube Star Wars fan film. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Like the language that they like all the vocabulary that they use, they're like, This is part of the universe. It just feels like really inauthentic to the mm-hmm. world and all the tropes are really silly. There's like a lot of dead space and I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get the hype, man. Yeah,
1: I'm as indifferent about Boba Fett as I am obsessed with Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) I love Star Wars as much as I don't care about Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so, like, seeing, you know, something that's... It's not Boba Fett, but it is basically Boba. Boba, It's basically Boba Fett. And I just... That's not my cup of Star Wars tea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Moving on to what we all saw together... Uh V for Vendetta. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In honor of our boys doing the V for Vendetta episode and I've never seen it ever. Yeah. But it was so good and that ending really it's, it's yeah. The bigger. last bit yeah. is definitely my favorite bit. There was yeah. a lot of stuff I liked in the end. Yeah. My favorite part about the whole movie was everything action oriented. I could have done with a little less of the political speeches uh for my own personal taste. Like the big guy on the wall. Yeah. Is that also that guy reminded me of Mugatu from Zoolander, <laughs> and I was like, I don't need as much of you. I want to see uh, V and Evie, and I didn't realize how romantic it would be. It's so romantic. Yeah, I had did mm-hmm. not have a memory of that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was very sweet. Um, yeah, I thought like one of the coolest shots. It was in the end when he's like destroying all the people that are trying to kill him mm-hmm. and they, they keep shooting him and he's throwing the knives at them and that the knives you see their their path. Yeah. Like their path is highlighted with color or like with kind of smoke looking effects. I thought that was really cool. So comic booky. Yeah. Really cool.
1: Yeah I, I had my biggest memory of it cuz i i hadn't seen it in years and i was like oh yeah they killed that poor little girl who's always watching the, yeah. the television and i was just waiting for that to happen and then it did and i was so sad yeah that mm-hmm. but then i did not remember um, the final like shots of the movie when everyone takes off their guy fox masks mm. and we see her in the crowd she takes off the mask and mm. then we also see the the couple that was tortured and like and separated and, and huh? Stephen Fry.
2: Stephen Fry. I <laughs> <laughs> <You> know
1: <what? laughs> well, That's the friend, say? her friend. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it again. <laughs> Stephen
2: Fry. I was like, that means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah, that part got me emotional. I'm like, yeah. it's not just, you know, yeah. it's everyone, you know? Ooh. I also
0: really liked when the crowd of Guy Foxes is, is walking toward all the police officers, but then they just like keep walking through. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, very
2: so dope. dope. Yep. Wow. Phenomenal movie. It's, it is so good. <laughs> yeah. We also all went and saw Honey Boy, Shia LaBeouf's writing debut. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we saw it together. It's very lucky that we saw this one as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, it's only playing one time in our, in our town. Which
0: is just nutty. But I'm so, I feel very privileged that we got to see it because I yes. think there's still most people
2: can't see it if they want to. This was on my watch list, like, ages ago, and I don't even remember what episode we recorded where I was like, you guys, this movie's coming out. Mm-hmm. But finally, it happened. I loved it. I did it. Love I that. loved it. And it's so nice because it's everything about a movie that I like in mm-hmm. one, like, the style and, like, the kind of dialogue and the the, the style of performances and stuff, like, that indie vibe, just, that's like... That's not what, formulaic. It feels unique and fresh, and it's not
1: just a recycled tropes yeah, that yeah. make it an indie film.
2: Yeah. All of the, like, big title, like, reviews that I've seen, seen on, like, ads and stuff has been, like, such an honest yeah. portrayal. Very raw, and I think that that's exactly right. Oh, yeah, that's exactly how
1: I felt. One of my favorite ones, and I'm forgetting which word they use specifically, but there's there's one that's so good where it's like an unselfish retelling, or it's like uh, an not, not, yeah, not what egotistical. Yeah, egotistical. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, because it's like it, it is the purest form of ego to be like, I am gonna make a movie about my life yeah. and, and have these insert characters that
0: are me and all these things. Um, it could have so easily been, oh, poor me. Oh, like, look how evil this man was. My life was crappy. That's why I did these bad things. Like, feel pity is. for me. And and it didn't fall into any of that. Mm-hmm. It was very much just we got to be there and experience everything with him. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that sometimes when I have really high expectations for a movie, if it doesn't like meet that bar of my expectations, I leave the movie and I go, that was the worst movie ever. And oh, it's okay. not necessarily fair, because it's hard to meet high expectations. So sometimes I think I'm a little more cruel to movies if they didn't meet them. But this one I think had the opposite effect. I think similar to Endgame, where I had these very high expectations, and once you cross a certain line, then... It almost just makes it even better. Mm-hmm. I just was just so a hundred percent like on the whole time and so into it because it was just blowing me away. Mm-hmm. And I think because I had these high expectations, I was really impressed
2: yeah. that it came through. Some of the camera work decisions and like the chronology by which the story was told, I thought was really innovative. Mm-hmm. And that's just like props to the writing and the director, who I guess Shia LaBeouf has just been glowing about Alma Harrell. Mm -hmm. And hell yeah to women directors. Mm -hmm. She looks like a badass. She does. Uh, I also
0: just really like, because I've been seeing a lot of promo stuff for this, as I'm sure you guys have, but I really like that this is a way for them to both get to tell their stories about their fathers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's great that they have that connection to go off of.
1: I was just going to say, I think that the relationships obviously are what make this movie, and they were just so... Well done from, like, not just even him and his dad, but him and his pseudo-dad from the um, Big Brothers of America. Yeah. Um, And the one that I thought was terrifying to watch, I just was so on edge the whole time. I was watching him interact with the neighbor girl. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, that was just, like, the anxiety of watching their relationship unfold and not knowing what was going to happen. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but you just you're so scared watching what's going to happen, and I didn't know what was going to. Yeah. Um,
0: and that's, like, a whole other thing, too. I think a, a lot can be said about that. <laughs> too much that's
1: all in spoiler territory, sure. so instead I just have to say it was yikes until yeah. it wasn't, but then it was.
0: But then it still kind of was. It's <laughs>
1: so, yeah, it's yeah. just it's it's just what happens when child stars are thrust into those sort of situations, and it's so sad and so scary that that's the case for so many people.
2: Mm-hmm. I uh, I couldn't help... I don't know if this was the intent, but, but this is... What happened to me as I was watching the film? Shia LaBeouf plays his father figure.
0: Yeah,
2: he, he plays his father essentially. And there's this part where Shia LaBeouf, as his dad, is talking about how much he cares about his son, mm-hmm. and then he cries and gets emotional. And I just <laughs> I'm trying not to cry, you guys. <laughs> I'm so emotional talking about this film. It when I'm I'm watching it and I can't help but watch. Shia LaBeouf as himself talked to himself, yeah. Yeah. you know, and what he hoped and wished from his father, and mm-hmm. and I just thought that that was such a transcendent mm-hmm. moment. It was so crazy and multi leveled.
0: I think that my biggest hope for the Oscars this year, unless there's something I'm forgetting or something that comes up that surprises me, but is that he gets supporting win. Mm-hmm. Because I was just completely lost in his performance. I never, not to say I didn't ever think about the fact that it was Shia, because you—it c- it is, mm-hmm. but the entire time I was, I just felt that that is his dad. I felt like he probably captured his essence perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I was always looking at Noah Jupe and Lucas Hedges and thinking, no, those are Shia. Yeah. And I, I just felt completely lost and not focused on the fact that he's, talking to a character playing himself. Yeah. You know, I just, I thought it was amazing. It could have so easily been a distraction and it wasn't. Yeah, I it's, agree.
1: Yeah, you could also tell just because of the point that he was coming
2: from in playing that part. It, mm-hmm. is, it was it was all bound in forgiveness. Totally. Mm-hmm. I uh, learned something really cool while watching Shia LaBeouf on Hot Ones. Mm. Um, is that he actually showed his father the film. Oh, yeah. And that he set up like a webcam situation to watch his father watch the film. Mm-hmm. And that's like so anxiety ridden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to to think about. <laughs> um, yeah, I just
0: I really loved it and I left that film feeling like, what do I do with all these feelings now? Like mm-hmm. there's no I just wanna it's not even that I wanna go back and rewatch it. I just loved being there for this experience and then now I don't know what to do it now that it's over. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, there were just a couple parts in this film where I just couldn't stop crying. Yeah. They were just I, so powerful and they just like, lingered. I'm like, when will I stop crying? <laughs> it was a lovely film. I I loved it. Same. Mm-hmm. High recommendation from us. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, go
2: see it if, if you can. Yeah,
0: hopefully. I'm hoping that if, you know, once Oscar buzz starts to happen, that it'll be
2: expanded. Yeah. The only other thing that I watched was The Witch. Was that but, because of The Lighthouse? That's because of The Lighthouse. Robert Eggers' film prior to this. And I just had such a good time watching it. I did like it the first time. I know you didn't, yeah, Kayleen. But watching it the second time, having, like, more Robert Eggers under my belt, I was like, I know what your vibe is. That's cool. You know, and I thought it was very, like, reflective of The Lighthouse, but in a really different way. Not as funny as The Lighthouse mm. at all. I don't know. It, it has similar, like, formulas, I feel like. And... and I loved it. I like to practice their accents, like, when I watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Tomasen! It's really hard.
0: Is that only your second time seeing it?
2: It is my only second time seeing it, um, and it just, it just reminds me to fucking live deliciously, oh my goodness. and follow the devil. Oh my <laughs> god. <gosh>. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: wow. that's more
2: fun than your mom hating you. So,
0: first part I was down with, that, does her mom hate her in that movie?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. She thinks that she's responsible for um, losing her baby. Oh. Yeah. The one thing that I'm excited to say about watching this movie, which you guys will think it's really cool and I'm okay. glad that I remembered saying it, is that... <clears throat> So, the, the movie is about the family being convinced that the daughter is a witch, right? Yeah. And, like, weird shit starts happening to their family. They all start having weird stuff happen to them. The goats are attacking them, whatever, right? Yeah. And in the film, there is a couple shots of corn. Ha! <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> and I didn't know, but then I looked uh, looked it up later, and it says, there's a shot of corn in this film... Which has, um, this the disease mold. on it. Yes. <laughs> ah! Which was, like, attributed to a lot of, like, hallucinations back then, like, having to do with the Salem Witch Trials and that yeah. stuff that you are talking about yeah. when we watch Children of the Corn. And that is kind of, like, a clue into, like, what's happening yeah. with this family. Because nice. they all kind of end up having hallucinations. And they're starving. There's not a lot to eat. And their crops aren't very fruitful. So, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. Nice. Uh, moving on
1: to the things that Kayleen and I watched together, it's just one movie that was on
0: your watch list. It was. So I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about Jesse Plemons and they were talking about his movie Other People, which I had never actually heard about before and it sounded right up my alley because they said it's super funny but also makes you cry a lot and that's my bag, so... Uh, I really wanted to watch it, and Courtney said, do you want to come over? And I said, sure, but we're watching other people. (laughs) (laughs) And so we did, and uh, it was exactly that, where it was really funny and really sad, but way quicker than I was ready for. Like, Mm. Three Billboards does that, but in a way where one scene's funny, one scene's sad, one scene's fun, you know, and you're like constantly getting a a tonal shift, but this one would be in the same scene, I'd go funny, sad, funny, and I'm like, I... (laughs) It was a real rollercoaster. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing. I just kept looking at Courtney like, can they stop messing with me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not to plagiarize my own letterboxed post. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) To quote me by me, um, my letterboxed review for it was, the goal of this movie is every five minutes to punch you in the face, but then every ten minutes, someone from an NBC
0: comedy you love shows up. (laughs) That too, yeah. Yeah, the amount of people that kept showing up, I kind of don't want to ruin it, but it was like, we were screaming. Everyone you could imagine to, to make a cameo made a cameo. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like crazy ones too, where we were just like, how? Probably ten plus people. Yep. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: we it, just never stopped screaming. It was and like crying. a nice it was a nice little like band-aid on the <laughs> the right? they were inflicting.
0: Um also it takes place in Sacramento. I thought hey. that was pretty fun. Gimme all the Sacramento movies. Om nom nom.
1: <laughs> that it. Awesome. Moving into our movie related questions.
2: What is your favorite Brad Pitt movie? And I know that's not like a super creative question that you know we usually think of, but the purpose of me choosing this question is little early fun fact for you. Brad Pitt's personal favorite movie that he has acted in <gasps> is this film.
0: That's awesome.
2: Wow. I, I'm not sure when that fact was added to IMDb. because so maybe he's changed I just, his mind. But he's in, like, a lot more after that. So, you know, it might not be correct still. Yeah, you know. yeah I get
0: you. That's um, cool, though. Yeah, my
2: answers are post-2007. Oh, oh man, or oh, okay. pre <laughs> So, what is your favorite Brad Pitt movie?
0: So I have two because... They, I was going to try to pick one, but these two just really jumped out and nothing even kind of competed with them. So my two are Seven and Fight Club. Fincher. Fincher. Oh, yeah, they're both Fincher. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I guess Fincher just knows how to work with Bradley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's Bradley why he wants Pitt. to do World
1: War Z2 with him.
0: Bradley Pitts, actually. <laughs> um, Fight Club is amazing. I watched it... For the first time in high school. Had no idea there was a book. And now that's my favorite author. So that's pretty cool. I just think the whole thing is brilliant. And I think that's because it came from source material of a dope book. Mm-hmm. Um, first book. We've talked about his that. His first book. That's yeah. so nutty. Calm down, Chucky. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then, yeah, David Fincher just really makes it come to life in an amazing, interesting way to the point where you don't right off the bat know it's a book because I think a lot of people to this day still don't know it was based on a book like a lot of people do of course but okay. I, I mean I found that out in college so that's like that just there's some movies where you watch it and you're like that was a bad adaptation of a book and this one did it really brilliantly um and then seven is just like it really slaps you in the face at the end <laughs> and the whole way through
2: and I love that movie too nice Kimmy you want to next okay my favorite Brad Pitt movie is *Inglorious Bastards. Nice. And I—that that is my favorite Tarantino movie as well. And Brad Pitt's performance in it, I think, is just, like, uh, kind of unlike other characters that he's played. Mm. And um, Is he goofy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. He's goofy in it. But still a badass. Mm. He kind of gets away from that. I'm slick. I'm Brad Pitt. Like I'm the yeah. most attractive guy in the room. That's like that's not really like what the character is about. Mm-hmm. But you know doesn't lose any like badassery at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my answer. I that's like that answer
1: too. Oh darn. Oh. <laughs> but
2: that's okay. Anything to add on that?
1: Sure. Just that I love how his character. I feel like I've said this before on the podcast, but his character has a backstory we know nothing about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We, yeah, there's really just uh, some, some little quirks and some, some minor details that we just never get answered. And I that's think that's fun. really cool because it definitely lends itself to his performance. My honorable mention, though, would have been World War C. Nice. Mm-hmm. Just because... It's his, it's our favorite movie of his, not favorite performance. Mm-hmm. Right. because um, there's not much to Jerry. Jerry's just like, yeah, yeah. it's me, I'm the hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love World War Z. Yeah. And, uh, I can't believe David Fincher saw it and was like, I must make a sequel. <laughs> 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 and... And it's, it's been promised to me, so he better deliver. I know that now he's working on, like, another movie, but I want that one. So, I didn't know
0: that was a thing. Yeah. That's exciting. Pay up, David. All right. Next one. I actually have a lot of answers, and I didn't look any up, so first I'll let you read the question, but I'm
2: going to let you guys answer first. Yes. Here's the question. Name a movie where a character meets their idol. Tips. <laughs> <laughs> so, Courtney said
0: she got really excited and was like, oh, ha, 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 I found a, I thought of a really good one, and I think that it's the first one I thought of, which is related to a sleepover we had
2: once.
1: And I'm, like, trying to remember if An we iconic
0: did... sleepover
1: we it had. It was an
2: iconic sleepover.
1: Oh! No, it's, that's not what I thought oh, of. Oh, that's not oh, what you not? thought. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, that's a great answer, Caitlin. Yeah, that was an iconic sleepover. <laughs> to recreate that this evening. (laughs) We'll talk about it once we get to that part. I'm really excited. Because I was like, I don't think we watched this at a sleepover. And maybe we did. But I saw this movie by myself first. Um, It's Ingrid Goes West.
0: Oh! Mm. I didn't think of that, and that is an iconic
1: answer. Yeah, I'm really, really
0: stoked that I thought of this, because... Oh, wow. I don't
1: know how I didn't think of that one. I don't know how I thought of it so late. I thought of it, like, the second we pressed record. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, love that movie so much, and just the not-so-genius-but-really-just-psychotic way that um, Aubrey Plaza's character, Ingrid, goes about meeting her Uh idol, and it just, it's so clever, but it's so dirty but you're rooting for her so much mm-hmm. and it's it's all about um a girl who is unfortunately like the only world she has is on her cell phone and she is stalking elizabeth olsen's instagram yeah and literally moves across the country to see her and starts buying all the things she does and really just <laughs> oh like single white female in her it's yeah. it so
2: scary actually a fantastic answer for you know for this movie, actually.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, because it's called Ingrid Goes West and Assassinates Elizabeth Olsen <laughs> <laughs> by the coward Ingrid West.
2: Yeah. And just, like, what happens to her once she meets her idol, and that's exactly, kind of, like... Yeah. Hmm.
1: She changes, and, and, and her life becomes good for a little while, and yeah. and there there is a personality in there. Like, yeah. we think that this person is just, like, this blank slate of, like, craziness, but instead she... You just are rooting for her so hard, and then it gets really... That movie gets dark so fast, but I yeah. love it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, because when you, you think about this question, I was like, oh, somebody meeting a celebrity? I don't know, stuck in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought of that, too, because I just watched it. Yeah, and I was like, that one, I guess. So I'm glad that I, I didn't have to go down that road. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so Inger Girls West is my answer.
2: Coolio. Want to go next, Kimmy? Yeah. Okay, so I picked... The Devil Wears Prada. Ooh. Another good answer. Yes. And I picked it because meeting your idol is, like, a very scary thing. Or you know? sure. And I you don't have... want to do it. No, <laughs> I, I don't want to do it. Like, I never want... It just freaks me out so much, first of all, because, like, I would be a bumbling idiot and I wouldn't know what the fuck to say because <laughs> yeah. I admire the people that I admire so much. And also, what if they don't turn out to be who you expect they are? Yeah. yeah. You know, what a crushing feeling. Yeah. So, that's kind of what The Horace Prada is about is, you know, she has these really romantic ideas about what it's like to be who Meryl Streep's character is and the kind of person that she is and she's really just a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, ugh.
0: <laughs> to spoil the Devil Wears Prada, that scene where she goes, you already did the same thing I did. And you're like, wow. And Hathaway is just trying to be a person, too. Mm-hmm. They're the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the answer that I was alluding to that everyone in this room now gets is the fault in our stars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was the first answer I thought about because... Um, It's just iconic that they're like, let's go all the way to Amsterdam, and we're going to meet Willem Dafoe, who, what's his name? Peter Van Houten. Peter Van Houten, because we love his book, and that's how we bonded. It's going to be great. And then he's like, I hate people. Get out of my home. So that was the first one I thought of, and the iconic sleepover we're referring to is that uh, (laughs) it was really, really late, and the three of us were at Courtney's old house before um, Courtney and Kimmy lived together. And we were like up late drinking and hanging out, whatever. And we decided to start the fault in our stars. And Kimmy crapped out first and said, I always do. She always does. You've gotten better. Yeah. (laughs) But she's always the first to go down. Yeah. And she was like, All right, I'm going into the bedroom. Goodbye. And we continue watching *The Fault in Our Stars*, and it gets to like the climactic scenes where it's really dramatic, and we're over here having an emotional experience. And Kimmy (laughs) comes out, and and we're like, "What happened? Is the movie too loud?" She goes, "Hazel Grace is crying. Woke me up." (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, so So that's an iconic moment from our friendship. Um, It's really good. My other answer that I was proud of thinking of is like Mike. Oh. <laughs> we have not talked about like Mike enough on this podcast. I don't know if we haven't. Oh, I feel like, like we maybe, mentioned it once, like maybe ooh, once. Ooh, ah! Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like, can Long-time you? Longtime listeners, tell us your favorite Like mic moments. <laughs> but like, that's
0: that is the dream of meeting your idol. Is that first they of all, they adopt you,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Chastain, If you're out there, do you need adopt a, me? Do
0: you need a redheaded daughter? Do you need <laughs> a redheaded daughter? I'm right here. Um, but yeah, it's just and Jonathan Lipnicki's there. Well, what baby? more could you want? <laughs> he gets adopted by your idol too. <laughs> Your idol just adopts everyone, and then your other really nice friend in the foster care system gets adopted by some other nice family. Yeah. Anyway, those are my answers.
2: Okay, so we're about to jump into The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Eight. Directed by Andrew Dominic, filmed by Roger Deakins. Yes. Yeah. Did you do know that? No. Oh. Get ready for this. Ooh. But um, before we do... What do you guys think this movie is about? Okay. So I know that it's a real story
0: about the real uh, westerner... Jesse James, and the real dude, Robert Ford. I don't really know anything about them except it was like, it's the West. He's an outlaw. We're outlaws. Okay. And, and
1: Kimmy actually... Into... That's what I thought. Kimmy <laughs> said it's more South, so well, it's I like...
2: Well, I it is... Consi- I've looked up some more stuff. Okay. And it is considered a Western. It's just not like the Western that you... you not know.
0: spaghetti Western. It's not a spaghetti Western. Yeah. There's yeah.
2: not like that many... There... Okay, there are some horses and stuff, <laughs> but they look... A little more like industrial revolution than like okay. you know pioneer mm-hmm. you know okay. yeah. And um it's does take place in eighteen eighty one.
0: Oh. Um and very out, similar to the lighthouse. Yeah. yeah. We're just and, like nine years like, earlier.
2: Missouri area that area. Interesting. Alrighty. Uh
0: the other only thing that I know is that my The Love of My Life is in it and he plays um Casey Affleck who is Robert Ford's brother, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he does. I assume he's just gonna be like a bumbling idiot who's like, "Go meet your idols. If you don't like him, kill him." I'm wondering if maybe he's more of like an
1: antagonist who like gets Casey, who like roots tries, him to go. Yeah, it. He, he gets Casey Affleck to turn on him. That's what I was just saying. Oh, <laughs> I well, we couldn't tell. <laughs> if you don't like him, kill Natasha. Um, I have not gushed about her ever on this podcast, but I absolutely love Mary Louise Parker
2: Me too love unfortunately her she's not a huge part of well, this film Well then why would they even make it I don't I... know she's like second on <laughs> Okay road. I know who
0: that is but I can't picture her face She's From in Weeds.
1: Angels in America dark, She's also a Gobbler long dark brown yeah, hair see, Yeah I would love She's to. gorgeous It's really
2: bothering
0: me
1: Oh okay I know who that is but I don't have feelings about her <laughs> okay I, she's an amazing actress she's yeah. great she's, she's great like a stage actress oh. and i'm guessing she is brad pitt's wife jesse james does she casey is. affleck have a wife no okay so he's got a wife do they have kids
2: yes oh who,
1: who so does
2: brad and jesse james and z james yeah z oh. have two children
1: okay so oh, all he's... sad yeah
2: Yeah, I didn't let you guys watch the trailer because I didn't watch it prior to watching this movie. And also, if anything gives anything away about this movie, it's the title itself. Right. I I didn't. I thought that was a hint enough about. Yeah. Timmy
1: was like, it's not a fair playing field right now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Hmm, I wonder if he gets assassinated.
2: My predictions are he gets killed.
1: Okay, okay, so, he is the leader of a gang, and Casey Affleck desires to be in the gang, but then why not just take over the gang? And now he wants to be the leader, and so he's going to come in with his brother and maybe some other people. Um, is there a big age gap? Is he like a like young and Brad
2: Pitt's kind of? So at the start of this film, we're meant to believe that Casey Affleck is nineteen years old. Okay. Okay. And um, Jesse James is in his early thirties. Okay. I think we'll get specific on that in a second.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking, I really doubt that Sam Rockwell's in it too much. I mean, I hope he's in it more, but I think he's more there to push Robert Ford out the door, and maybe at some point Robert Ford... I I have a feeling he's gonna, like, leave his hometown to go pursue Jesse James wherever he is. Okay, yeah. And I think that it's gonna be one of those, like, never meet your idol situations where Jesse James is like, I'm a hotshot, get away from me, I hate you, and then he's like, well... I guess I'll take over your gang, like you said. I think I'll I'll go
1: the just for like prediction's sake. Maybe I'll say the opposite that he loves him and and wants mm-hmm. to have like take him under his wing and and raise him up the way that he was. Then
0: again, he's got his own children. <laughs> I'm wondering how dramatized this will be because I'm I, at first I was thinking it's more of like a rootin' tootin' West, but I'm thinking it's maybe gonna get really sad. Like when he dies, we're actually gonna feel the trauma of his family losing their. Father. I feel like we're
1: gonna have some really long, slow scenes where they're just, like, being lit by, like, gas, like, <laughs> those, those little, like, gas lanterns. Yeah.
2: It is a fairly realism, historical fiction, mm-hmm. um, yeah, dramatized piece for entertainment, yeah. but it's pretty, it's not, like, rootin' tootin', yeah. you know?
0: When I, when I said dramatized, I meant, I thought it was gonna be more, uh, Outlandish, and now I think it's gonna be more realistic. I hope it's funny. I hope there's some funny bits. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like a comedy. I just hope they, like, sometimes
1: try Mary, to make it yeah. trouble. Mary Louise doesn't do anything quirky ever?
2: Uh, no, she's hardly in it, really. Darn it. <laughs> all, all
1: of weeds, she's just, she's always just there to got, cry, Courtney. She's always got an iced coffee and she's chewing on the straw, and I just want her to be doing that. Ooh, in this. <laughs> that's
0: fun.
2: Oh. Um, all right. Uh, no, I don't know if you guys are pretty on track to be honest, but you know, and again, it is historical, yeah. and you already know how it's going to end.
0: I hope there's other characters that come in that are interesting as well. Okay, I don't know who they are gonna be. I assume either members of the gang or maybe Robert Ford has some other buddies, buckaroos, that are gonna join okay. him on his adventure.
1: Ooh, oh, oh, oh! Does his gang have a name? It must. No, don't tell us. But does it have a gang name?
2: Well, I mean, it it must, but I I don't know what oh, what God it is.
1: my no. so like fun guessing the gang names <laughs> <but> mind.
2: <laughs> they might have said it. I don't know if it's not
1: really a prominent part of the. I'm movie. gonna love it if we watch this and they're just constantly going around <laughs> calling themselves like the
0: Nuggets. <laughs> Timmy, <The Nuggets. laughs> like uh, Golden to Joe me. and the Suggins gang. <laughs>
2: <laughs> cool. Are you guys I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready.
0: Yeah. Okay,
2: so before I get into this, I will have to say, um, you know. Casey Affleck is a major part in this movie. Oh, yes. And I know that we all, you know, myself included, have issues with Casey Affleck as a person. Yeah. Uh, But for the benefit of this movie, which I do think is really good, I did my best to to separate that fact because Robert Ford is not only the protagonist of the film, he's also going to end up being the antagonist. So in order to, like, view it in, like, you know, a fair light and to, I think, get the full benefit of this film, we have to kind of take this character at face value without all, all those other, like...
0: Yeah.
1: I can thoroughly enjoy that Dunkin' Donuts sketch from that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true.
0: <laughs> and I had Dunkin' Donuts this morning. Why? We have one near us? Oh, that's, like, brand
1: new. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I that's my favorite <laughs> film, and I can, and I hate <laughs>
2: Casey Affleck. <laughs> Um, okay, here it goes. Mm-hmm. The assassination of Jesse James from Froden- <laughs> Robert Ford. Oh,
1: <laughs> the
2: assassination of Jesse James. <laughs>
0: assassination of Jesse <laughs> <and> Robert <laughs> Ford. That was Sam Rockwell saying the title.
1: <laughs> okay, then... who assassinated him? Where? <laughs> Where? <laughs> Why she whoen- be what?
2: <laughs> Wood. Jesse James Wood. <laughs> so, okay, here it goes. <clears throat> The movie opens. It's showing beautiful shots of these open, rolling skies uh, over these, like, fields. It's so beautiful. There's a voiceover playing over these gorgeous images of Jesse James. Family life mixed with shots of him in the fields, and the fields are, like, beautifully ablaze, watching him in these, like, glowing fire colors. It's great. The VO says... He was growing into middle age and was living in a bungalow on Woodland Avenue. He installed himself in a rocking chair and smoked a cigar down in the evening as his wife wiped her pink hands on the apron and reported happily on their two children. His children knew his legs, the sting of his mustache against their cheek. They didn't know how their father made his living or why they so often moved. They didn't even know their father's name. He had two incompletely healed bullet holes in his chest and another in his thigh. He was missing the nub of his his left middle finger and was cautious, lest that mutilation be seen. Mm. They also talk about how he had granulated eyelids and how that made him blink a lot more. What is
0: granulated eyelids? I'm telling you
2: right now. Okay. (laughs) It makes him blink more than usual, which is apparently real. That's a real thing that Jesse James had, except for Brad Pitt hardly blinks at oh, all on. in this film.
0: Oh, wait, they say that in the VO, but yeah. then he never fucking blinks?
2: They even say it, like, on a close-up of Brad Pitt, and his eyes are, like, all the way open. And the director's like, blink, Brad, and he goes, no. That's actually Ugh. a fun fact of the film, is which I think could have been a really interesting impediment to use as yeah. forming this character, but also, then we would miss out on all those really intense... Well, notes. you know what?
0: I still enjoy Twilight, and that bitch blinks
1: 30 <laughs> times a minute. <laughs> also, like, Every time that Jake Hall acts with his eyes, it just
2: adds to the performance. Yeah. Like, come on. Yes, yeah. Prisoners is
1: just as intense with him
2: blinking all that <laughs> yeah. much. Here's how the VO ends. Rooms seemed hotter when he was in them. Rains fell straighter. Clocks slowed. Sounds are amplified. He considered himself a Southern loyalist and guerrilla in a civil war that never ended. He regretted neither his robberies nor the 17 murders that he laid claim to. He had seen another summer under Kansas City... Missouri, and on September 5th in the year 1881, he was 34 years old. Mm. And that's what we get as the intro. So, we have all those intro scenes. Now, it's a new scene that we fade into, and the little title card at the bottom comes up. It says, Blue Cut, Missouri, September 7th, 1881. Okay. Okay? Young Robert Ford, that's Casey Affleck, he's among Jesse James and his gang of robbers. He has a whole gang, because... Robert Ford's brother, Charlie Ford, who is played by Sam Rockwell, is Mm -hmm. already in the game. Mm. He looks starstruck and he's looking across the forest area trying to get the courage to go over and sit down with Jesse, James, and all of his closest members who are all around him laughing and having a great time. Just as he gets the courage to go and sit down, they're called away and he's left alone. And Robert looks crestfallen. He's like being a little bitch a little bit. (laughs) And uh, at this point in the movie, I'm still like uh, Casey Affleck, you know. Oh yeah. Wedge is gonna make something really funny come up in a second, yeah. but after that, I was like, all right, get rid of that because I gotta watch this. You're Maybe. wagging your fist at the television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm as not much, much as you can. Call him a little bitch this whole
1: <laughs> <Yes>. time. <laughs> so then, little bitch shoots him. <laughs> He's a little bitch.
2: So it's clear that they're all waiting to start a train robbery. They're kind of waiting mm. for the train to come, and I guess you gotta stay there for a couple days and set up camp. <laughs> 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 I don't know when this train's coming. Doing things back then then must have
0: been just, wow. (laughs) I mean,
2: why wouldn't you become a robber? What else are you doing for fun? (laughs) Um, Run for fun. Robert Ford, who's also called Bob through most of this movie, he goes over to talk to Frank James, which is Jesse James' older brother, played by Sam Shepard. Right, 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 right. It's always weird for me to see Sam Shepard acting and stuff because that is he weird. feels like such an elusive individual. Yeah. That for some reason, like, I have this idea that he wouldn't act. Yeah. But he certainly has.
1: Yeah. I love it when playwrights act. Yeah. yeah. like I'm not too good for this. <laughs> like also Tracy
2: Lett, Tracy, Tracy Lett's is like,
1: just always in stuff, and I'm like, that's Tracy
2: Letts. When you
0: told me he was the dad in Ladybird, I Shocking, fell right? off of whatever I was saying.
2: <laughs> now you gotta watch him in the center, it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> oh no.
0: Yes, opposite of Lady
2: Bird. Oh no. <laughs> Bob goes to talk to Frank James. Frank only recognizes him after he says, Oh, I'm Robert Ford and he goes, Oh, you're Charlie's brother. So he's for sure living in the shadow of everyone around him. Robert basically is like tooting his own horn to Frank. He's saying how much grit that he's got. And he knows that he's meant for bigger and more ambitious things in his life. And Frank says, there's nothing special about you, Ford. You're like every other kid trying to be a gunslinger. But you don't got the ingredients, son. (laughs) And Robert tries to convince Frank so let him be his sidekick in the heist tonight mm. so that he'll learn how tough he is. And Frank, <laughs> this is the part that I thought was pretty funny. Frank says, I don't know what it is about you, but the more you talk, the more you give me the willies. And I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, definitely, Sam Schauffer, you got That's it. That's amazing. And then I was like. A little slap on the wrist for me. I was like, all right, get rid of that shit. You know. <laughs> more yeah. you gave me a wish. I like, just, audibly laughed out loud when that happened because I was like, right on, Sam. That's great.
0: <laughs> he had a feeling about that guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, he tells him to get away from the job. Get. He threatens him with his gun. Kind of kicks him away like a little puppy. Um, all right. Like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robert finally goes over to bother Jesse. And the way that he interacts with him, the way that Jesse kind of treats him, it's very clear that everyone has this impression of Robert, that he's good for nothing, and not to be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of like a starry-eyed, green, you know, boy. He's 19. And he doesn't seem very smart, either. Some VO said that the gang's been doing train and stagecoach robberies for a long time, but all the original members outside of Frank and Jesse are dead or in prison. Oh, So, these aren't the original gang members at this point. Okay, the night comes and the train is on its way. Finally. (laughs) The train heist scene is beautiful, you guys. There's steam, there's light coming through the trees, there's beautiful music by Nick Cave, there's masks coming out of the shadows. It's great, okay? They're all wearing masks? They are. Different mm-hmm. kinds of mess. Like, Jesse James has a black one up to his nose. Some people have sacks over their head oh. with holes. And, like, it's just, I was like, yeah, that looks great. Nice. In fact, cinematographer Roger Deakins has called the arrival of the train in darkness uh, one of the high points of his career. When you guys watch this, if you do, I was watching it, like, not knowing those facts and being like, ugh, that's, yeah. like, beautiful mm, yeah. cinematography right there. That's It's so awesome. good. Awesome. And they, I guess, um, employed a lot of different um, special things like during filming that. And Deacons was just like, do it all. Put everything in. I want all different kinds of lenses. I want lighting. It's going to be great. And it was. It was great. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, The gang ransacks the train in regular gunslinging style, shooting their guns this way, that, scaring people along the way, kind of fucking their shit up. Um, But they realize that the train... Turns out to only be carrying a fraction of the money that they originally thought. Robert starts to try and get on Jesse's good side. They go and have a cigar together. And Robert says, I can't believe this morning I was worried about my daddy letting me his coat. And tonight I've already robbed a train. And I'm sitting in a rocking chair next to the one and only Jesse James. Mm. Frank James decides to leave the gang and his brother. Because they've been at this for a long time. And he's disheartened by this robbery, and they have quite of a, you know, criminal following, so they're always watching their backs, and right. Frank is getting old, he wants out, so he leaves the business. But now that Frank is gone, this kind of leaves an opening for Robert to become Jesse's apprentice. Jesse returns home. To Kansas City, and he brings all the Fords and his other partner, Dick Little, who is... <laughs> <laughs> wow. With two Ds. And Little? Yeah, okay. L-I-D-D-I-L. He's played by Paul Schneider. Mark um,
0: Danowitz.
2: He's also there with... Um, Wood I'm Height. I'm sorry, I, I
0: got distracted. Who did you say that guy plays? Dick Little. Dick Little. <laughs> dick okay, that's Dick
2: Little. He also goes with you know both of the Fords and Wood Height, his cousin, who's played by Jeremy Renner. Wood Height. Wood Height. and they stop and dick dick <laughs> This is big
0: dick. This is little dick. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Jeremy Renner would be the BDE.
2: Jeremy Renner. Yeah, Jeremy Renner. <laughs> we were <ever> distracted <laughs> by Wood Height. <Hite? laughs> <laughs> And he's, that's Woodhide is Jesse's cousin. Okay. Uh, Jesse sends Charlie, Wood, and Dick away. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, guys. All right. <laughs> Charlie, Wood, and Dick. I got it. I'm fine.
2: <laughs> they send him away and, um, insist that Robert stay. And they kind of get a little butthurt about that. They're like, Why do you get to stay with Jesse? And Jesse's like, well, he's actually going to help me move my furniture to a new home up the, to a different city. St. Joseph in Missouri. mm So, during this time, while Bob is staying with Jesse James and his family, he becomes even more admiring of Jesse and believes that, because he's staying there, that he'll be invited to become kind of part of the family. Mm -hmm. Like, he wishes that he would be an uncle to uh, Jesse's kids. Bob makes his stay with Jesse, like, a lot more important in his mind than it probably is. He goes on all of his, like, meetings with Jesse, and he takes notes, even though he wasn't asked to. He's just, like, making his job and, like, side stay with Jesse, like, really, like, he's his right-hand man. Yeah. Even though that's not really the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, one day, um, in their house, Bob sneaks up on Jesse, taking a bath. What the fuck? (laughs) It's, like, pretty normal. Like, they do it, like, a lot in the film. They just have, like, a trunk tub. Yeah. And they kind of, like, in the kitchen. We, earlier in the film, it said that Jesse James never takes his gun belt off or takes Ooh. his guns off. And he does right now because he's in the tub. And he's like, I thought that you never took your guns off.
0: shadowing.
2: <laughs> oh, he's going to tie a tub. Oh. <laughs> Jesse James says, I can't figure it out. Do you want to be like me or be me? That's like a pretty... Age-old question. Pretty big theme of the film. Interest: Be like me or be me? Yeah. As, okay, I see what you're saying. After that day, Bob is sent away the very next day to stay at a farmhouse of um, his widowed sister, Martha Bolton, Mm -hmm. and he's rejoined by his brother, Charlie Heighton and and Little There. At the house, Robert has a box under his bed and it has all of these, like, Old style comics about Jesse James Jeez. and all these stories and and like artifacts and it's kind of like a little shrine box of stuff. He's like really loves him. It's his idol. He yeah. admires him so much and he hides it under his bed in this That's- little box.
0: That's interesting, because it's like, it's still someone you've always known. It's not this really distant idol. It's like, you've still kind of known him.
1: And he
2: gets to be around him, and he got to
1: rob a train with him? That's crazy.
2: Yeah. Little, uh, comes up to Bob one day, and he tells Bob that he's in cahoots with another member of the James gang, Jim Cummins, to capture Jesse for a substantial bounty. Mmm. And he says, you better not say anything. You can't do Jesse dirt. If he finds out, he'll come after you with a cleaver. And he threatens Robert with a gun, not to mention anything to Jesse about this. Um, Little does this because he was like wondering why Bob stayed with Jesse for so long and what Jesse might have said if he knows anything about his dealings behind uh. his back or anything. So he's just checking up and he kind of does like a rough kind of shake up just to make sure that he stays quiet. Uh-huh. Now we have the scene where Robert has just bought himself a brand new gunslinging suit. Because all these, like, robbers, these gunslingers, they dress really nice. And Robert's been kind of scrappy looking uh, up to this point. Mm -hmm. He dresses, like, really meticulously in it. Like, he's donning, like, this new persona. Mm -hmm. And he feels really proud of how he looks. And he feels like he's on... This is all into it, I suppose, but he looks really proud of himself. He fancies himself a gunslinger. Just then though, he finds out that his brother Charlie and Wood have been messing around in his room and they find his little shrine stash. Oh no. And they make fun of him and they kind of tease him and push him around. Yeah. And that makes him really upset. Height and Little stay with Height's father at his father's house. And his father's this really old guy. And Wood and Little bicker the whole time traveling on their way to his father's house. Wood tells Little, stay away from my father's new wife, his young stepmother. Mm. And it turns out that she is, like, ridiculously young to be married to Wood's father. Yeah. Um, that's kind of just how it was back then. She's, like, super flirtatious because she's really bored in this house. Yeah. Her husband is so old he can't hear. (laughs) So
0: Wood is like, she's for sure going to try to hit on you. Yeah.
2: What happens is Little ends up having sex with her anyways. Uh, of course. In the outside commode. <laughs> he, like, goes and find, finds her in the commode and is like, what are you doing in the commode? Like a house. Yeah. <laughs> um Meanwhile. What are you doing in the
0: commode? <laughs> well, we like, were shitting together.
2: It's, like, clear that they kind of, like, I communicated to, like, meet up somewhere else later that night. Wow. <laughs> they picked the worst spot. <laughs> they actually have, like, <laughs> they have this conversation... Uh, he's like, that's okay, do your business. And she's like, I have, like, I'm a little nervous now that you're watching me. And, and it's like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's supposed to be, like, sexy, but it's like, I'm like, you guys are talking about pooping. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Meanwhile, Jesse visits another gang member who we met earlier. He's just kind of a small part. His name's Ed Miller. He's kind of like. One of the dim-witted followers of Jesse James. He's there because he does a good job, but he's not smart at all. He's probably, like, the most uneducated out of the group. Mm -hmm. He's, like, the comedic relief of the group. Miller looks, like, really shaken up that Jesse's there. He even greets him at the door holding a gun. It kind of looks like he might have been expecting Jesse's arrival at his house. And his house is, like, really shanty. It's, like, this guy has trouble with women. He doesn't have, like, a woman's touch, they say, in the house. He needs to get... You know, shacked up so we can take care of them. Basically, Jesse is kind of like trying to get information from Ed. He's suspicious about Ed. Ed gives away information about the Cummins plot that Little is involved in. Mm. Uh, he doesn't say too many details about it, but Jesse's suspicions are realized by... And he knows who's involved in this conspiracy? Mm -hmm. He doesn't know specifically, who, he just knows that that there's a plot to get him behind his back. Got it. And that Ed Miller's involved in some way. And he says, why don't we take our horses and go out to town? I'm going to buy you dinner. And they look at each other, and he knows that that's not really what he means. But it's Jesse James, so you have to listen to him. Yeah. And basically they're going to go on a horse ride. He's going to shoot Ed Miller. Wow. But we never see it. Oh. They just leave the house. Oh, I love movies that do That's that. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Thank you for trusting your audience. Right? Yeah.
2: Well, hold on. Oh, no. <laughs> uh no. Sure glad you killed that Ed Miller on top of his horse like that. <laughs> Here's something that I probably should have said at the beginning of this. There's a lot of travel in this movie. Mm. So, and they don't show the travel. It's like, I think many months go by in between scenes because it's like, Jesse was just at Ed Miller's house and now he's where Little is staying.
0: Oh, and, and you guys are traveling on horse. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I. we have to kind of accept that there's just like a lot of travel within the cracks of this movie that people show up over having been many months apart. Okay. I see. Mm. So Jesse comes and gets Little from the place that he's staying at, at Heights house, father's house. Yes. Um, he says, get dressed! And Little's obviously kind of shaken up because he's worried that he knows about his plot behind his back. They get on horses. It's a very tensious ride because Little thinks that Jesse suspects him, but they arrive um, at where Jesse thinks Cummins will be, some other house. Mm-hmm. But he's not there. Uh, the only person that's there is Albert Ford, who is the young cousin of Bob and Charlie. Okay. And Jesse, like, viciously beats him, this little kid, trying to find out where Cummins is. Wow. Yeah. Um, once he does that, the little kid says, Get off of me! Like, I don't know where he is, and I told you, and you won't even give me a chance! And Jesse kind of lets him go, and he walks out of the barn, and Little's like, Jeez, Jesse, like, he said he didn't know. And Jesse cries. Oh, oh, Because this is like a, the leader of a gang. And he has a family! He has a family, but he also has years and years of police after him all the time yeah so he's becoming a very suspicious person mm-hmm. and he's letting that suspicion cloud him so much that he just beat up a child height tracks down little to um the bolton's house which is the place that they were staying earlier in the film height's looking for little because he found out that he fucked his dad's wife <laughs> <laughs> um bob is upstairs with little they're sleeping and he hears that height is here they wake him up so that they can prepare for him to come up there because you know he's going to come up, you know, guns blazing. And they all prepare with their guns to meet him when he enters the door. Of course, he comes in, like, shooting all crazy, like, and height sees that Little is in there, and they're shooting each other, like, not feet from each other, but they keep missing. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, can... I wonder how hard guns were to handle don't think at all. You know, because... They were too dang heavy. <laughs> You're giving them way too much benefit of the doubt. <laughs> height is nicked. Uh, Little's nicked in the leg. Um, Little runs out of bullets, though. So um, Height goes up there. He gets his gun right to his head. He's about to shoot him at point blank range. And then Bob uses his gun to shoot Height dead. Ooh. Doesn't even do it without blinking. That's it for Jeremy Renner? Yeah, that's it for Jeremy Renner. Um, (laughs) This is is really bad news, though, because Height is Jesse James' good cousin. Mm. That. Bob just shot. So they dispose of his body in the woods to conceal the murder from Jesse. Jesse appears at the Bolens for dinner. That's where they're all kind of like resting there. And the Fords are like, oh yeah, Little was here a while ago. um, But uh, he's gone now. We don't know where he is. Mm. At the dinner... Charlie tells these embarrassing stories about Bob and how obsessed he was with Jesse as a kid. Sam,
0: that's not very
2: nice. No. He would talk about how many things Jesse and him have in common and just make a big deal of it. Jesse kind of mocks Bob for the first time in this film and tells a story about how he knew this guy, George, who was in his gang. And he tried to get on his good side by you know, complimenting Jesse and stuff. And he actually had a grudge against him the whole time. Mm. So he came into camp one day and a bunch of his guys opened fire on him and they laugh Wow! wholeheartedly. Charlie has to laugh because it's Jesse James. And Bob says, you better not think of George when you look at me. Oh. How come George had a grudge against you? And Jesse says, well, George had a little cousin I was supposed to protect while he was at war who had $5,000 on him. The boy got killed, and while George was in prison, someone whispered to him, it was Jesse James who nicked his throat. But he it? doesn't he doesn't say if it was or wasn't? Nope. Mm. It's like a really cool part of the film. Through all of this, Bob is like becoming less and less enchanted with Jesse. Yeah. Because he's kind of realizing who he is. Mm-hmm. He becomes more resentful of Jesse, especially because he's, been picked on by him personally. Yeah. Um, and also after hearing that Jesse beat up their cousin. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a little early, but this is where I put the halfway point at.
0: Prediction time. What's going to happen in the second half of this film? Well, a lot of the things I said were not right. They met way sooner than I thought. He pretty much always knew him. Yeah. <laughs> to a degree. Um, I also didn't think that uh, Charlie would be in the gang at all. Uh, ever. I think that. Jesse James is just gonna... It's get, gonna get to the point where he's... Obviously, he's very suspicious that people are trying to kill him. And he's gonna be looking for answers, especially if more people start to die. You know? If he's like, where's Wood? And then someone else dies. Where's, say, uh Dick? Say a Dick dies. Where's Dick? Like, where's everyone going? And I think he's gonna kinda just push Robert too much and maybe even, like, assume that Robert has a bigger part in this than he really does, and Robert's gonna lean into that and and take him out. Maybe even take credit for it. Like, yeah, I am the one who's causing this whole thing, like, conspiring Mm. against Mm -hmm. you. Fuck you. Jim
1: Cummings is the guy who's, like, behind this plan? Yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely got Sam, like, wrapped around Charlie. He's got Charlie on his side. And... Jesse's going to realize that more and more people are growing more distant from him. And then I think he's going to choose Robert and say, I want you at my side at all times because he knows how much of a fan he is that he's not going to be on that side of doing that. But obviously he's still going to have connections to his brother Charlie. So, yeah, he's going to end up choosing Charlie and decide to kill Robert for it. It's got to be in the tub when he's not armed. That's what I'm thinking too. I would love it though if it were like... Robert says to Jesse, you know, like, one day they, they do have plans to, like, go out to, to town, dinner. and he's like, let's go to, to, to let's go get dinner, and then, like, it cuts to black. <laughs> That'd be cool, and we just know what's gonna happen. I, I would love it if we didn't have to see the death, but yeah. I feel like we're going to, and Casey's gonna, like, be crying while he does it.
0: <laughs> like a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, and he's gonna shoot him, and he's gonna be like, I killed my best friend! <laughs> um, so I'm thinking, though, that maybe it'll be something where... Jesse has a change in a similar way that his older brother did where he realizes I am too old for this I don't like who I'm becoming like maybe that scene where he beat up that kid comes out a little more where he realizes how much he doesn't want to do this anymore and kind of has what we see as a redemptive arc and then when he goes back to his family he gets caught off guard by Robert Ford showing up and murdering him I like Mm.
2: that cool okay Jesse and Charlie travel to Saint Joseph where Jesse finally learns about Height's disappearance and he kinda asks Charlie, like, What do you know about this? And Charlie just denies knowing anything even though he was there when yeah. Bob shot him. Jesse confides in Charlie about the fact that he killed Miller. Nobody knew that he went to go see Ed Miller and that he killed him. Now we get the flashback about exactly B- what happened. Oh, I see. Yeah. They went on a long horse ride in the dark. Jesse says, uh, you go ahead, I'll catch up. No. (laughs) It's this very, like, self-aware, like, of mice and men moment. because Miller has no choice. He's dead either way, if he disobeys or obeys. Yeah. Miller rides ahead, and he's shot in the back by Jesse, and he's left out there in the dark. Jesse tells Charlie that it was actually because of an argument that he needed to shoot him, so he kind of lies. Jesse says, Charlie, you have to convent, confess something now about wood because it would only be right because I just told you that. I see. Charlie doesn't change his story. Mm. Meanwhile, Bob fancies himself kind of like high and mighty and kind of in the know, kind of like a mole almost, I feel like. Um, he goes to the Kansas City Police Commissioner, Henry Crick, And he says that he knows about Jesse James, whereabouts he's his right-hand man. To prove his allegiance with the James gang, Bob urges the commissioner to arrest Dick Little. And they do. Following Little's arrest and confession to participating in numerous gang robberies, Bob kind of brokers a deal with the governor of Missouri. Um, He says that if he gives him 10 days to capture or kill Jesse James, he's going to be promised a substantial bounty and a full pardon for the murder. Holy snow! Wow. Um, Charlie persuades Jesse to take Bob Ford into the gang. Uh-huh. He says, you know, a lot of people are kind of out of the gang now. You need somebody else on the new job that you're going to do. Why not Bob? This seems like such a childish, like... Let him in your club. It's so arbitrary. None <laughs> Not it matters. <laughs> it is. And I have a really interesting parallel about this movie later that I don't Ooh. really want to say, okay, so cool. don't let me forget about it. Okay. The brothers return to St. Joseph. Bob tells Charlie about his plans to get Jesse uh, arrested or killed. And Charlie says, you think it's all made up about him. You think it's just yarn and newspaper stories, don't you? And Bob says, he's just a human being. Mm. Which is kind of like a really interesting revelation for his character, admitting yeah. that to himself, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: It, the VO says that they're introduced to Jesse's wife and kids as cousins, and they stay with the family. Z obviously knows they're not cousins, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like for the children. Like, they're part of the family, kind of lay low. Yeah, yeah. Jesse tells the Fords that he wants to revive his gang by um, robberies with them. and
0: Is the only robbery that we've seen that train one.
2: Yeah. Mm, boring. <laughs> yeah. uh, they said, we're going to begin with the Platte City Bank. That's going to be our first real robbery back. You two are going to be my right-hand guys. We're going to do it and revive the gang. During their stay, Jesse becomes increasingly suspicious of the brothers, and he doesn't even allow them to be alone together without his permission. Whoa. However, uh, they lay low as well. nothing really happens during their stay there. Everything passes kind of uneventfully. And he later gives Bob a gun as a token of apology. Hmm. You're gonna, gonna get killed with, with, your, own gun. Gun. with your own gun. It is a beautiful gun. I forgot to mention this, but, like, one of the best scenes of the film is when the two Ford brothers and Jesse are kind of hanging out in the living room by the fire at night, mm-hmm. and Jesse just becomes this really unpredictable person. You don't know if he's suspicious of the brothers or he wants them around. He kind of puts Robin a, a Bob in a headlock and holds a knife to his throat. Oh. And then he laughs about it and lets him go. And he says, You should have seen your faces. <laughs> so he's like... <laughs> Really, he's almost getting kind of like, he's going mad a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it
1: sounds like it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know? No one's going to want to be around you, Jesse. It is a really difficult and kind of tragic descent to who Into he madness? Yeah. It's now the day before Jesse James' death. Oh, did they say that? I think so. I don't remember why I wrote it, so they must have. <laughs> <laughs> the narrator says, Bob remained at the cottage and slightly migrated from room to room of Jesse's house. He walked into the master bedroom and inventoried the clothes on the hangers and hooks. He sipped from the water glass on the vanity. He smelled the talcum and lilacs on Jesse's pillowcase. His fingers skirted over his ribs to construe the scars where Jesse was twice shot. He manufactured a middle finger that was missing. The top two knuckles, he imagined himself at 34. He imagined himself in a coffin he considered possibility and everything wonderful that could come true. And there's shots of him going through and kind of living as Jesse alone in the house. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this deep-rooted obsession and admiration for somebody, even though he kind of knows what he has to do. It's like, it it really is that cross of be like or be actually, you know? Yeah,
1: such a creepy trope. Like somebody in a house pretending that it's their house and trying on your
2: clothes. Yeah. That night, Charlie is crying in bed. Bob goes over to comfort Charlie, and he says he's gonna kill us. And he, Bob says he's not gonna kill us. And Charlie says yes, he is. And Bob says I'll stay awake so that he can't.
0: Ooh. Mm. Gosh, why, why surround yourself with these people? There's no trust. Wow, no. a movie where beautiful men are just crying left and right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's,
2: well, it's right. what you wish for. Casey's going to yeah. cry. <laughs> it's this like really interesting reversal of character that we see here that Bob's kind of become... Not this... the cowardly looking one. Yeah. The big brother. Yeah. And that uh, he's not as afraid of Jesse as everybody else is because mm-hmm. he just sees him as another person. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That is cool. So... On the morning of April 3rd, 1882, Jesse and the four brothers prepare to depart for the robbery. Jesse comes back from town with a newspaper, and Bob sees him. He says, do you think it's wise to be out in town like that? And he doesn't really say anything. Uh, Bob does see that the newspaper that he's got has on the very front page the arrest and confession of Dick Little on it. Ooh. He tries to hide it, kind of like in the creases of the couch while Jesse's not licking, but Jesse picks it up anyways and he comes over to the breakfast table with them. There's this really cool shot where we only see Jesse James twirling a spoon in his coffee and we're waiting for him to see the front page article and he stops Ah spinning his coffee. Jesse's read the newspaper. He says, look at this little's confession and arrest it's pretty weird and they all kind of like don't really know what to say. <laughs> that is brand new information <laughs> um but realizing this his suspicions about everybody going behind his back is kind of confirmed yeah nobody can really say anything at that point. They all kind of migrate to the living room. Jesse looks out the window kind of at his daughter on playing on the grass. And he just stays there for a while. And then Jesse says, I guess I'll take my gun off for fear that the neighbors might see him. And he never does that. But he takes it off in the living room. Then he turns around and he he says, uh, that painting is mighty dusty. And he climbs a chair to clean the, the dusty picture so that his back is turned. Yeah. Seems like but, he's
1: kind of accepting. Yeah, he, he is. really is, like He, he for took one sure last is. look at his
2: daughter. Yeah. No. And, but he also gets to see the reflection of Bob in the glass of the painting and watch <sighs> Bob shoot him. Wow. wow. Bob shoots Jesse in the back of the head with the gun. And Jesse falls to the ground immediately and dies. Damn. Z hears it. She comes in and she starts crying over his body. It's very sad. It's not overdone. She's just like, did you do this, Bob? Did you do this? And he said, nope, I didn't. And they say, it was an accident, and they run away. The two brothers? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. They run run and flee in fear, but then they finally get to the telegram office, and Bob gets a telegram to the governor and says that he killed Jesse James. And he says, you might want to hold on to that, because it's going to be a famous piece of paper. Mm, Oh. Once dead, the press take this picture of Jesse James' corpse, strapped up to, like, a board. And there's like, all these people like around the wood panel with this like strapped up dead body and they all wait for the picture to be taken. Like they're,
1: they're posing with it? Yeah. Ugh.
2: Yes. They also what a weird time to be alive. People were so weird like for the no, longest time it going is, to
1: hangings and stuff. No. Yeah. Okay.
2: This is actually the most interesting part of the movie going forward that I find. Okay? Um they put his body on ice to be shipped around as a sightseeing event. What? Mm -hmm. Um, So for the death of Jesse James, the Fords were meant to receive $10,000. However, they never received more than $500 each. Wow. Here's the most interesting part. After the killing, the Fords hope to become celebrities by touring around in a theater show in Manhattan, which reenacts the shooting, Mm -hmm. and they play themselves. Holy shit. Well, I'm sorry. Um, Bob plays himself, and actually, um, Charlie plays Jesse James. Whoa!
0: What dorks. (laughs) That's the dorkiest thing. It sounds like in, uh, is it Ragnarok, where, for
2: (laughs) (laughs) Loki's the hero? Bob is kind of made for the theater, and he does a really good job (laughs) acting, and how Charlie's just awful at it. He's like, he doesn't have any charisma for the stage. Charlie starts to get really into drugs and drinking. And he starts to get really jaded by the performance and Charlie's um, way of acting as Jesse James actually starts to get better and better and more similar to Jesse. He even starts to walk like him and kind Mm -hmm. of talk like him and he looks at his brother with spite because it's forcing Bob to kind of go through the assassination over and over again. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: People soon uh, start to become gradually hostile. Towards the pair, as just Charlie's impression of him starts to get oh, even no. better. Oh, it's so method. <laughs> they start to hail Jesse as a legend, and somebody <laughs> in the Charlie. crowd goes. Charlie? They start to, no, hail Jesse as a legend. Like oh, because okay. Charlie's doing such a good job. Yes. And somebody in the audience goes, Coward! to Bob. Ah. <laughs> and. Bob doesn't like that, of and course. he like launches himself into the audience oh. to beat up whoever said it. Oh my gosh, this play is so immersive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Charlie becomes so guilt-stricken with the death of his really good friend that he writes numerous letters to Z James, asking for forgiveness, Whoa. but he doesn't send any of them. Good. She's... Yeah. right. Don't put her through that. <laughs> Uh, he's suffering from terminal tuberculosis, so he commits suicide in May 1884. Wow. Bob grows up a little bit. He works around the West as a saloon owner. He becomes like more and more like regretful of his past actions because he loved Jesse. Mm. There's a scene where um, a saloon singer sings a song about the assassination <laughs> and talks about. Uh, Bob being a coward (laughs) while Bob is in the bar. (laughs) I literally own this bar, you heathen. Bob, He's just a patron in this bar. Oh, okay. Um, Can you imagine? Bob fires a shot in the bar and everybody becomes quiet and he says, I'm Robert Ford. I killed Jesse James and it was two children, not three because the singer got it wrong. Mm. Fun fact, the singer is actually Nick Cave who is the composer of the film. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. So near the end of the film, Bob kind of gets in a relationship with this burlesque singer-dancer played by Zoe Deschanel. Whoa, Uh, Whoa. Yeah, they get involved. They kind of love each other. She says, why did you kill him? And Bob says, because he was going to kill me. And she says, so you were scared. And that's the only reason. Mm -hmm. And Bob says, yeah. You know what I expected? She says, what? He says, applause. Robert becomes de- depressed uh, because he misses Jesse more than anybody, he says.
0: What about your dead brother?
2: Jeez. <laughs> I mean, can you, be, can you imagine like being known for killing somebody who you loved? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. On June 8th, 1892, Bob is murdered by Edward O'Kelly at a saloon in Creed, Colorado. We see this, or is this like a post? We do. And the VO says, like, um, O'Kelly didn't really have any plan. He just got a gun with the intent on getting revenge for Jesse James. Wow. It says that Kelly is sentenced to life in prison, but he's pardoned after only 10 years in 1902 because of a 7,000 signature petition. Whoa. (laughs) And this is the ending VO of the film. It says there would be no eulogies for Bob, no photographs of his body, no people would crowd the streets in the rain to see his funeral cortege, no biographies would be written about him, no children named after him, no one would ever pay 25 cents to stand on the room he was, that he grew up in, the shotgun would ignite, and Ella Mae the barmaid would scream, but Robert Ford would only lay on the floor and look at the ceiling, the light going out of his eyes before he could find the right words. And that's the
0: end. Damn, like I get it. I get why people ended up being on Jesse's side, but I feel like this is so harsh. They're like, one murderer
2: is way better than this other murderer. It's just like a murderer. Yeah, a very what? Very vapid society. It is a really interesting society because you know, like this is not the first time that a killer has been glorified. Mm -mm. Yeah, you know, uh, like. Who are those two people? Those the man and woman, fuck Bonnie and, Bonnie Clive, and Clyde, oh. were like thought of as celebrities, yeah. and when people saw them at bank robberies, they would want to take photos and get autographs. That's insane. Yeah. It was what they had for entertainment back then, my goodness.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You either you either watch a real bank robbery or you you watch out Casey
2: Affleck and his brother. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> create something. <Yeah. them. laughs> and criminals kind of had respect. Like you had to listen to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ooh. I was really
0: not I'm really am impressed that I remembered this. What was the parallel you said you wanted to draw? I'm remembering it now okay, too. Cool. Okay.
2: The parallel is um this movie to me feels a lot like Alpha Dog, ah. Because all of these other kind of like outlying events happen that are that don't really mean anything to the point where the murder has to take place mm-hmm. you know, or they feel like it does yeah. because of the ego of others or the reputation that people have and... Something that was totally avoidable. Yeah, yeah it was course. totally avoidable. Yeah. And that's kind of where all the regret comes from. These guys, like, they let their own self-interests get the best of them so much that they killed somebody that they really loved. Yeah. Notice how women don't do these things. <laughs> <laughs> so fun facts, of all the films made about Jesse James, his descendants have claimed that this is the most accurate. Ooh. They were especially enthusiastic about Brad Pitt and Casey Affleck's performances. <laughs>
1: descendants? Like, that's so far removed. <laughs> my great-great-grandpa was
2: it, and I'm thrilled that Brad's taking
0: the <laughs> <laughs> I'm thrilled uh, that one of the most famous actors of all time is going to be in it.
2: <laughs> um, uh, lastly, the film received two Academy Award nominations for, de- for the 80th Academy Awards. Affleck was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and Roger Deakins was nominated for Best Cinematography. Oh,
1: good for him. Yeah. hmm
2: All right, okay. let's rate it. Three, two,
1: one. Okay. Wow. Coolio. Okay, I, I gave it a seven. I gave it an 8.5. I gave it a six. Hmm. And we have not seen it, Yeah. Aileen and I. So what do you guys think?
0: I'm surprised that you gave it a 7. I felt like you were going to like it a lot more, um, just based on how like kind you were to it as you were explaining it. Um, but... I was... Yeah. Okay. I'll save what I'm going to Yeah, say. that's fine. Um, but I gave it an 8.5 because I was thinking about last week in the lighthouse, and I gave that an 8 because I don't really think it's up my alley, and that's kind of why I gave it a lower score, even though I think the art of it is probably amazing. Mm-hmm. And this one, I think there's probably some issues with it, but I think... As a whole, it's probably more up my alley. I think I'm going to watch it, and I think I'm going to really like it, and I think that the biggest downfalls are probably going to be, for me, and again, I haven't seen it, but I'm thinking the biggest downfalls are going to be... I'm not a huge Westerner person, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I do think that movies can be slow. Like I, I think out of the three of us, I get affected by that the most. So if we're taking place in the West, if there's too much dead space, I might get bored. Because of the content, it's a little bit hard to get behind any of the characters, which I might have a struggle with, but I bet all the performances are amazing, and I would love to watch it. I just think, yeah, also rewatchability is probably pretty low. You but get I, a high I,
1: score, then, for all those things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't think those are, bi- it's not like, like, again, cinematography seems great. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot going for it, and those things might make my enjoyment of it a little bit less, but... I think it's still something I'm very interested in watching. Cool.
1: I'm not interested in watching this. Oh. <laughs> um,
0: I the, the main
1: pull would be the cinematography. And then surprisingly, the movie sounds way better after he's dead. <laughs>
0: <Is> <laughs> when is they're it, doing the shenanigans? Is it all, yeah, the
2: shenanigans sound like fun. Is it only like 20 minutes? It's like a big part after his death, which was surprising to mm. me. Because yeah. I thought it would just be over. I yeah. did too. You know? Watching it and not expecting that, I still enjoyed the, the you know, pre-death stuff. Like, that's that part of the movie. And then it really turned around and I was like, holy crap, there's all this extra stuff that mm. we're going to get to learn about. Bonus stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. the
1: only part that sounds interesting to me. That the, everything else seems like the most basic thing. It's <laughs> like, you love him, kill him. You did it. <laughs> and then afterwards, that sounds like a fun, wild time. Yeah. <laughs> so... I would want to watch that and then I can see myself watching the train scene and then maybe just like looking at other clips on YouTube but I don't think I really want to watch this movie cuz it's that's not my cup of tea at all. Mm-hmm. Um that the cast seems great. Like I'm I'm eager to yeah, see Yeah, there were some
0: surprises there.
1: There's some mm-hmm. surprises, but overall this just seems like one of those movies that I obviously have not sought out and would never seek out mm-hmm. um so I gave it a six because I would not re-watch it um but it does sound really good yeah Kimmy
2: who has seen it you gave it I a did. seven I gave it a seven as far as these types of movies go it wasn't as exciting as others have been um what I thought was really intriguing about it is that I feel bad for the coward Robert Ford. Oh, yeah. And even though stacked against everything that I feel, you know, about Casey Affleck, just the character itself... Yeah. I find myself, like, crying because he... it's just sucks, you know, to feel like, in retrospect, you made a rash decision mm-hmm. and that he has to live with that label for the rest of his life. And he has, like, a very, like, substantial amount of life to live after the assassination yeah. where... He walks around knowing that people are always looking at him and having opinions about him. Yeah, that's rough. But, I mean, don't kill people. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you could say the same thing for Jesse James.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's unfair that he gets to go down in infamy and he gets to be praised and stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. it's weird.
0: Yeah.
2: I love the music, Mm. which, uh, you know, fun fact, all of the music was composed prior to the movie being made. And you said you'd, you'd, like, sought out that soundtrack even before watching this movie, right? Yeah, I used to have a Pandora station that was, like, Lord of the Rings. It was titled Lord of the Rings, so I would get to hear, like, Lord of the Rings soundtrack. but it would also, like, put in other movie soundtracks. Like, we had a lot of John Williams, like, Star Wars come out, and then, you know, then some Nick Cave stuff, and that would come on, and I'm like, I've never seen that. Like, people must really love this soundtrack. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah, not as action-packed as I would have hoped, Um, But certainly really interesting, and yeah, the performances are are great. Awesome. All right, guys, so what are your watch list ads and recommendations? Close this episode. One of you start. Okay, so for my watch list ad, I'm going to add Seaburk. Which is the <gasps> new. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> the Kristen Sewer movie that's coming oh, out. I
0: watched part of a trailer today and then Dakota came and interrupted me. I didn't yeah. finish it.
2: We all need our case
1: due time.
0: I know. I need that case due. Okay. Life. I was literally telling Kimmy this the other day. I was like, okay, Kimmy, there are women in the world I think are more beautiful than case do And she goes, okay, I, I understand. <laughs> yes. And I go, but the sexual energy the case Stu is admitting in this point in her life... Unfathomable. It's like, she was like, I was like, yeah, She's just in a really good place in her life right now. No like, one is sexier like? than Kristen Stewart Honestly, right now. Um, just, I
2: don't know why. I'm so into it. I'm so into it. She's just emitting like a sense of confidence she's never had before. Mm-hmm. She's artistically fulfilled. She's doing what she wants to do. Like, I'm fucking. She's got a film. fucking
0: gnarly haircut. Yeah, she's Let just me just say the life.
1: <laughs> that her episode of hosting Saturday Night Live cleared my skin, paid my taxes, (laughs) solved all of my internal issues, like, (laughs) I, like, I worship that episode. Mm, I I lost my mind at the Totino's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that fucking Totino's show is so good. I only watched a couple, but I really like the uh, Duolingo translator for kids. Oh, no, I'm talking about her first
2: one. Her first time hosting. Oh, you're talking about the first? The first hosting, yeah. Where where she, she... like, laughs about Trump's tweets to her Oh yeah, President tweeted about me 11 times. (laughs) That's (laughs) cute. Yeah. Yeah, that that episode is all I need. Play that at my funeral. (laughs) honestly so i'm stoked to see seaberg yes yeah i think that she's really proud of the film i think it's like a really big artistic feat for her i'm just gonna support her all the way nice um my recommendation is a movie that's not a western but it is set in the 1880s it's finding neverland oh (gasps) that movie's so fucking sad (sighs) It's so good. I it's, love that movie. I, it, it makes me weep every I time. I haven't seen. You haven't seen let it. Let
0: us watch it. I own it on DVD. Like I love Kate, but then what's his buckets in it? So I was like, <laughs> Johnny, death. Johnny death. I don't care for you. Who's Is that? i prime I'm there? Never... <laughs> yeah. um, those
1: are my those are my answers. Cool. Uh, so adding to my watch list, it's Courtney. Uh, something I've already seen, but I picked up from the library mm. because I want to. And by want to, I mean I want to strap you two down to the couch and show you and make you watch oh, Elma and say. Louise.
0: Yes, oh my god, I'm so down.
1: Wait, yeah. what did you say? Elma and Louise. Louise.
2: Oh yeah, I've never seen
1: it. I've seen it many a time. It's one of my favorite movies and I, I've, I'm going to force you guys to watch it because it is the epitome of perfect female friendship and... So much happens, and just, I think it's a a perfect bonding movie, where you just need to watch it with the women in your life. So I'm gonna make you watch it with me. Um, I've been dying to see it. My recommendation, it's Zodiac. (laughs) Mm. Because we talked at length earlier about Brad Pitt films, and then I was like, ooh, David Fincher. And I mean, Zodiac, the whole thing is, you know the result, you know the ending, because it's historical, you know what's gonna happen. And I feel like this movie is the same. Mm -hmm. You know that he's going to be assassinated, so... I think, that, I think that kind of works.
0: Okay. I want you guys to guess. This is a fun game, okay? Oh. My washless item <laughs> is a movie I just bought on Amazon because I don't own this movie yet, so I bought it as a DVD. This will be my third time seeing it. It is a movie from the same year as Three Billboards. It is, like, probably the I know one- what it is. <laughs> It's probably the only movie from that year that I don't own that I love. I know what it is. (laughs) And the other day I posted something about it on our Twitter... There oh, was no, a really vague thing I posted on our Twitter, but it was about everybody, everybody. a song that was nominated from the movie. Oh,
1: it's Call Me By Your Name.
0: Yeah! <laughs> Kimmy's mad. I didn't
2: get the satisfaction of saying yeah, it. Yeah, but you I, knew, say I, I
0: knew that you knew it from I the knew start. It. We're all actors. You can say it now. <laughs> We're getting, refresh. Take two. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so it's Call Me By Your Name. Honestly, mostly because the song got stuck in my head the other day, and it's a fucking beautiful song. I wasn't upset that that song didn't win because it was up against really good songs but that song is so beautiful and every time I hear it I just think of the feeling that I have when I watch the movie Yeah, and I haven't seen it in probably a year and a half and so I was like why don't I own this and I bought it and I'm gonna make Dakota watch it with me. Okay so it's yes. Seen it. No. Ooh. I'm excited. (laughs) That was one of our New Year's Day movies. (laughs) Yeah, but we didn't, yeah, that time we didn't see it with them. Um, anyway, yes, Call Me By Your Name is on my watch list, because I would like to rewatch it. I fucking love that movie. Now I'm gonna own it, bitches. Yeah. Um. What a good one. Okay, so, my recommendation for the week, I was torn between two, but I'll say the other one. Casey Affleck, yes, I know you're not a model citizen, and I know that Brie Larson didn't clap for you when you won this award because you're a bad person. Deservedly so. But holy shit, did you deserve this award. This is a fantastic movie. Manchester by the Sea. It really is Go watch good. it. I'm sorry that he's not a nice human being, but uh, wow, so good. Fantastic. And don't sleep on Michelle Williams. She deserves for you to go watch it, and so mm-hmm. does Lucas Hedges. And she's in
2: it far less than he is, and she just steals the scene. Yeah. Cool. Well, join us
1: next week to close out this round. Yeah, I'm very excited to do this film because it stars the light of my life. Woo! (laughs) Amy Adams. It is the first movie that she ever was Academy Award nominated for. It is Junebug.
2: I'm excited about that. The
0: 2006 film.
1: It's an indie film. Uh, So much to go into about it and I'm really excited. So,
0: catch us then for Junebug. Peace out.